Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hey everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Watch This Immediately, a show where we lay bare all of our pop cultural inadequacies for your entertainment and our edification. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steven, and with me as always is a man who unfailingly makes love to you with his words. <laughs> Manir here. <laughs> and we're back. This week's WTI is the movie Airplane, a movie that I have seen. So, I'm better than you this week. Yeah, looks like it. I knew it was going to happen eventually, I'm just glad it happened so soon. <laughs> Airplane is a movie from 1980. It was written and directed by David and Jerry Zucker, who are a pair of brothers, and their friend Jim Abrams. And this is kind of a power trio for 1980s comedy. Um, Some of their better-known works are this, Top Secret, The Naked Gun, Police Squad, and one of the Zucker brothers directed Ghost, which is not a comedy. but The Patrick Swayze movie? The very same. Huh. Okay. And I don't have a whole lot of history in front of the or in front of all of the movie stuff we're going to talk about, but they got their start with something called the Kentucky Fried Theater, which was a little theater that they ran, and they would show their experimental comedy films um, for people. And out of that, they got the opportunity to do a movie called the Kentucky Fried Movie. Which oh was yeah, sort I've of, heard of this. Um, that, for my money, um, along with Top Secret are the more rewarding movies that they've done. Airplane Hmm. is the easiest movie to comprehend and stomach out of their comedy. Um, The ones that have the greater rewards to them, if you watch them, in my opinion, are the Kentucky Fried Movie and Top Secret. Kentucky Fried Movie is like a dirty SCTV Saturday Night Live in a movie form, Um, whereas Top Secret is a send-up of World War II movies and Elvis movies. (laughs) <laughs> so nice. similar to Airplane, um, but it also is uh, different in these specific targets that it chooses to shoot at. And that one has Val Kilmer in yeah, that's one of right. his few comedy roles. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I believe that's how I've heard of the movie is, yeah, Val Kilmer movie. It's interesting to me that Val Kilmer has been in like three comedies and he is murdered in each one. Yeah. He yeah. has a gift for comedy, but he rarely uses it. I mean, he's pretty humorless, so... That's true, but why is he so great at comedy? Because he was in Real Genius, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Top Secret. Those are three fantastic comedies. I did not know Real... I I knew about Real Genius, but I'd forgotten that one. But I did know about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That is a a great movie. The man's got a gift. Mm -hmm. He's he's ill-used, so that's what I'm going to say. So this particular movie is from 1980, Mm -hmm. and it is a comedic retelling of an existing movie called Zero Hour. Huh. So what happened was these guys, the Zucker brothers and Abrams, they would, um, I think they had, they must have had an early VCR, because, I mean, well, it was the late 70s. They would just leave the VCR taping whatever was on while they were asleep, and they would just look for stuff to um, create comedy out of. They would look for ideas. And one of the things that they got one night was this movie, Zero Hour. 
And Zero Hour is the exact same movie we just watched without any jokes. Huh. The plot is exactly the same. The characters are pretty much the same. They may not have the same names. I've never seen the actual movie. Okay. Um, but everything down to the line where Leslie Nielsen says the welfare of everyone on this plane depends on finding the person who can not only fly a plane but didn't have fish for dinner. That is a line from Zero Hour. Wow. And it is to the point that they had to buy the rights to Zero Hour in order to make this movie. So... The the production company, I, I can't remember if it was Universal, mm-hmm. uh, the production company actually had to buy the rights to Zero Hour, which weren't very expensive, but still, right, they right, had to so. buy the rights to an old movie in order to make this, because it is just that movie. Do you know what year Zero Hour was put out? I do not know off the top of my head. I looked it up while we were watching things. A friend of mine, he said, um, God, I've got to remember what this movie is, but... It sounds similar to Zero Hour, where a a pilot or somebody is being forced to try and land a plane. They're Russian somehow involved. Um, I don't know if that's this one or not. Zero Hour was from 1957. Okay. Um, and it actually features uh, Sterling Hayden, so there's a little star power in this movie. Uh, but also a gentleman by the name of... Damn, where is it? Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, <laughs> who is a Hall of Fame football player. He played the Kareem Ooh. Abdul-Jabbar role. So they even okay. went so far in their skewering of this movie to take another sports figure and put them in the same role. Oh, yeah. That's pretty solid, man. So um, this movie takes a lot of targets. I mean, it obviously makes great fun of Zero Hour. Uh, there were also a series of disaster movies in the 1970s. Yes. It was huge, that business. Um, things like The Towering Inferno, Earthquake, um, and also the airport movies. Yeah, yeah, airport. That's right. That's there right. was a series of four airport movies, which basically all just centered around somebody who shouldn't be landing a plane, landing a plane. And there was they were imaginatively titled Airport, Airport 75, <laughs> Airport 77, and Airport 79. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. I think it was uh, Arthur Haley, if I'm not mistaken, who wrote like the book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. I, I used to see it all the time at like, I, I used to go to the Lawrence Public Library book sale, and that would always be like around. <laughs> a bunch of copies of Airport. Yeah. It was a huge thing. That first one in particular was a big deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess, and I, somehow I've never seen any of these movies. I haven't I've either, but I mean, I've, I've... Wait, that's not true. I've seen Airport 79, but that's it. I've seen, I've seen like just the cover of the book, and I've never read it, but yeah, I've not seen the Airport movies. But, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of them, and I, I do know that they're around and they were big. I, from what I gather, the stewardess flies the plane. Hmm. Because there's a big thing on the poster that says, the stewardess is flying the plane. Well, yes, of course, because she's a... She's a woman. She's incompetent. Yeah. yeah Look, women need that brain space to make babies. <laughs> they don't have the cognitive abilities to fly a plane because they need to make the babies. Whew. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, was a less enlightened time. It was called science. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, Republican science now. (laughs) Yeah. So, we're going to watch this movie. I think you ought to watch it, too. Come join us when you're done, and we'll talk about it. We'll do it. All right. And we're back. 
So now you've seen 1980s Airplane. Yes. What are your first impressions? A lot of gags, man. It, it was a lot like, uh, it's almost like an episode of Family Guy. That is accurate. Yeah, because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Seth MacFarlane took this the gags in this movie as uh, as kind of an inspiration for Family Guy. I feel like he would count it as an influence. Yeah. He's definitely of the right age. And this movie and Animal House and Meatballs were essentially the three movies that made up the comedy movie template for the 1980s. I've I've seen well. I mean, now I've seen Airplane. Of course, I've seen um, Animal House. Have not seen Meatballs, so I need to watch that one. It's pretty good. It's mm-hmm. solid. Meatballs is the one that first sort of introduces that character who's just a jackass white guy who's wise cracks his way through everything. So it's uh, it's Bill Murray that makes it easier. Okay, okay, got it. But that was kind of the the archetype for the 1980s that you would get Bill Murray playing that. You would get. Michael Keaton, you would get various other people playing it to diminishing returns, but the one where it all sort of began was Meatballs. Hmm. It's not the greatest movie ever, but it's agreeable. It's a summer he's camp like a, He's like a, a proto-Van Wilder. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Legit. But yeah, this kind of high-density comedy. Yes, you can certainly say it is high-density because there was a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, and it's... What became the the parody model going forward? Because it was just like, okay, let's try to fit in as many jokes per minute as we possibly can. That was obvious. And if you get, if you have, let's say, ten jokes in a minute, and five of them hit, that's a pretty good percentage. <sighs> yeah. And if you can, you know, get more than that, that's even better. But. I think this movie actually does fairly well. It plays different to two people in a living room late on a Friday night than mm-hmm. it would to a theater full of people. Oh, yeah. And I've never actually seen it in a theater, but as I understand, it was huge in 1980. And actually made on a budget of $3.5 million, it grossed $171 million. Holy moly, in 1980? Wow. Yeah. So that is that, that would be on the shy side of a billion dollars in today's purchasing power. Whew. That's crazy. So it made a lot of money. Wow. So, yeah, like just, uh, you know, the the first, I mean, the first gag, honestly, was the plane kind of with the, with the Jaws uh-huh. sort of uh, motif there. Yeah. Just going through the clouds. That was pretty solid. That lets you know that anything can happen in this stupid movie. <laughs> From things like the... Uh, the very literal, the shit's going to hit the fan joke. Yeah. Which is not the best. <laughs> to, um, Robert Stack beating the crap out of religious nuts in the L.A. airport, which Oof. amuses me no yeah. end every time. <laughs> and yeah. a solid horse sex joke, as you know. That noted. was a very solid horse sex joke. There are even things that I have not seen before that I caught on this viewing. For example, the... Uh, the from here to eternity scene where they're on the beach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dead, or they're live fish flopping around in the corner of the frame that Ooh, washed up on I the beach. I did not notice that. Okay. <laughs> I had never seen that before. I had always laughed at them being covered with seaweed and everything, and uh, I had never noticed that there's like a catfish <laughs> gasping for breath and another fish flopping around. Well, now we've got two, uh, th- there were two notable cameos here. Of, of early career actors, Mike from Breaking Bad and Joe Suzu. <laughs> yes, 
Joe Asuzu. I used to love those commercials. When yeah, I was a yeah. Kid. Um, what's his name? David Leisure. Yeah, man, that's a solid name too. From uh, Empty Nest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always used to catch that after the Golden Girls. I did too. I did too. That was one of the shows I used to watch when I first got here. So those are still around. I had nothing to do on a Saturday night. I had no shame in watching Empty Nest and Golden Girls. They were solid. Okay, now one thing that kind of was weird to me is, like, I I don't know what, what, what the deal is with the women's voices in this movie and, like, 60s and 70s movies. They've got that weird, breathy quality. Yeah, I think Julie Haggerty just kind of talks like that. Interesting. I think if you um, watch, for example, on Happy Endings when she plays uh, Alex and Jane's mother, I think if you watch that, she still has the same kind of voice. Huh. But it, she might have heightened it a little bit in order to play into that kind of thing because they're really, like you've noticed, there really was that kind of tendency for women to really girly it up. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that, that's that's accurate. That's a good way to put it. Because they, even the other stewardess was kind of doing it too. Yeah. And they, I mean, they even kind of poke the, the fun at the thing of like, oh my God, I'm going to die and I'm not even married. And yeah, a woman being like, at least I have a husband to get me through all of this. <laughs> that, so, was, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, was, that's even a thing now, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, something I was noticing as we were watching this is comedy does not age as well as drama. No. Um, I think this is still a very solid comedy, but as you watch it, anytime that you're watching a comedy that's as old as this, I mean, this is over 40 years old at this point, um, the rhythms change, the things that people find funny change, um, what is racially and sexually acceptable <laughs> changes. Yeah, like they, they were smacking the lady in the face. And then the Israeli Airlines the, uh, plane was, had the yarmulke and the beard. I had forgotten about that, and that was pretty rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is it is a special thing when a movie can actually survive as a comedy for a great deal of time. And I think, by and large, this one does. But yeah, comedy ages worse than drama because you're supposed to be laughing at it. Mm-hmm. And... As social mores change, you just you can't laugh at it the same way that you did. No. You have to either not laugh at it at all or laugh in a very embarrassed, oh my god, I can't believe this used to be unabashedly funny kind of way. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely there were a few jokes there that definitely fit that bill, man. Yeah. Now the the another note I had was um the the smoking section mm-hmm. on the plane. Man, when I was so, so, I remember like back in the '80s when I was, you know, a international transient. Basically, for the first few years of my life, I was on planes like all the time because mm-hmm. we would just randomly move countries because you know that was the thing to do at the time. Apparently, nice. My parents were not big on stability or you know staying in one place. What good is stability, man? When you can be a jet setter? Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, that's why I never finished first grade. That's why I... Kids are a fucking drag. Yeah, yeah. We we were probably... We were... I, I know I was a drag because it was super annoying. But, yeah, like, the one thing that I still remember is the moment that that smoking light would come... Would, would turn off. It was like synchronized lighters going off. <laughs> and this happened on every flight. 
I don't even remember. Man, I don't remember if I had any smoking flights oh. when I was a kid. I think all of the flights that we were on were non-smoking flights. Because even in the 80s, they sometimes had the option for that to happen. I still remember the smell oh, like yeah. a plane. Because that it had a particular kind of smell to it. Yep. And I can still... I can do... I can too. I got the sense memory of that. And I occasionally still kind of find that coffee, cigarette, and old upholstery kind of smell. Yeah. Some places. Well, and if you you travel in Asia a lot, uh, you get BO as well. Oh, I'm sure. I believe that. Yeah. And so, uh, unfortunately, once I accidentally stuck my finger inside the ashtray, and that was not pleasant. (laughs) I think I did that, too. That's disgusting. I, th- I thought I was hitting like the 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 button for like the seat, but nope. went straight through to the uh, bottom of the ashtray. That's that was a disgusting story. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> great. Now there were also there was also that running one of the few running gags was the the the, the two jive talking dudes. Yeah, and they're doing the subtitles, and finally they had that that old white lady. I think Barbara Billingsley. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. It to Beaver. Yeah, yeah. She was she was apparently a translator. Yeah, I mean, was this like a common thing? Because I know in Sanford and Son they had like the, the the cops. Remember, like there was the one white cop and and the black cop had to translate between what the white cop was saying and what Sanford and Son were saying. I've not seen enough Sanford and Son to have encountered that. Okay, well, I mean that was a thing. So I just wonder if that was a a, a point of humor and like black comedies or black and white comedies. It was definitely something that was on the public's mind because you had Richard Pryor around this time. You would have Eddie Murphy later. Um, there is a lot of comedy to be mined by the differences in cultures always. Oh, yeah. And there is definitely a rising tide of black people do things a certain way, white people do things a certain way that was very successful for... You know, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and other com- other yeah. comedians. And maybe this was a way of the Zucker brothers kind of taking the piss out of Richard Pryor. I don't know. Had to be. Because, I mean, you know, th- there were definitely... It was almost like that movie Pootie Tang where Pootie Tang just, like, says stuff that's half actual words, half just gibberish. That's what it felt like with these dudes. <laughs> you just had to bring Louis C.K. into this, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You son of a I bitch. saw I saw a Prem's Hood Cinema on Pootie Tank pretty solid. You should watch it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the next thing I had was so I don't remember like magazines on planes and those library holders. I don't either. But this was so long ago. Maybe this was like a seventies or eighties like first class thing. I don't know. Could have been. Everything about airplane travel is different now from what it was in the 70s and then like in the 50s before that there was a time long ago when air travel was a luxury thing oh yeah and obviously if you don't have a private plane or you can't afford first class you're not experiencing that you're just cattle now but there was a time when i think even in you know even in coach you got a little bit more of a yeah. experience than you do now well i mean you even got a you got a meal like i remember those days. There is there is no meal anymore unless you're flying internationally. It feels like you're lucky to get those weird 
crackers of indeterminate flavor. Oh, the the Biscoffs? Yeah. Those are pretty solid. Yeah, but what do they taste like? Uh, gingerbread. I don't believe that. I mean, it's gingerbread. Or no, I no, I know I'm what sorry. gingerbread tastes it's like. like. It's like speculoos. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, speculoos. Cookie butter. That's what that's what it's uh, patterned after. Still, maybe it's because I'm at 15,000 feet or whatever. It just doesn't taste quite right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a strong flavor on the ground, but I, th- I know that <clears throat> they've said that up in the air, your taste buds are not as responsive, so. They should give me something with more heat. Yeah, yeah. Spice I it up. Maybe uh, maybe they should film hot ones up in the up in like you know thirty five thousand feet or, or or maybe if Jeff Bezos goes into space again they should just like have hot wings on there and could revolutionize space travel yeah. and hot ones. Um, it's just something I wanted to mention: the Japanese general, yeah, is played by none other than James Hong. Oh, who has been in. Everything. Everything. Yeah. He has over 400 credits on IMDb. He has a movie coming out later this year that I am excited to see. Is he still alive? He's still alive. Wow. He's going to be in a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Huh. Um, this coming April, I think. That looks like it's going to be amazing. God, that guy's been in the... He's probably been around for, what, 50 or 60 years now? Easily. Damn. He was. He's from the black and white era. Really? Yeah. Wow. He has been in all sorts of movies over all sorts of decades. If this is the same guy, I think he was even on Big Bang Theory. I believe it. Yeah, like uh, he played, I think, a Chinese restaurant owner, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure he did. He likes to work. He does not turn down jobs. So, um, Hey, man. Better than just sitting, sitting at home like Val Kilmer. Yeah. He's got all sorts of roles. Hopefully he's rolling the money. He was David Lopan. He gets infinite respect. Now, uh... There was one joke, which, which made me like very angry. It was uh, the two kids with the coffee. <laughs> now, to be fair, I have an irrational hatred of precocious children. I, I can't stand them. Whenever a kid's trying to act like an adult, I'm like, cut that out right now. <laughs> now, was your objection to just the precociousness of the kids or was it to the I take it black like I take my men oh no that was solid okay it was just the kids <laughs> you just just didn't like the fact that they were 45 year old kids yes correct correct I I don't like kids who are old beyond their years I could swear that there is more to those kids and I wonder if there is like a TV version Has of this to movie be. because I taped it off a of TV when I was a kid, and of course there's a lot of dirty humor and there's some nudity and there's all sorts of things that should not be seen on TV. And I think they replaced it with some other stuff that I vaguely remember seeing. Oh. And I think part of it is there is more conversation between those two kids. Huh. And I think it it was better left on the cutting room floor for the most part. Yeah. Because it it's just them like having a very adult and erudite conversation, and so if what we saw bothered you, you would really be bothered. Oh, no, that, that would make that. me even angrier. You would probably just put your head through the TV. But I have a memory of there being more of those those two kids. Yeah. Well, and, and even the, the kid who went to the cockpit, he was talking like some 50s kid. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> precocious, but that's also annoying. Yeah. Part of the, I'm, I'm sure that had a little something to do with the fact that that's just how kids were written in those movies in the 50s. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ugh. But that's something that's kind of fallen by the wayside is just how um, television networks would just be given, like, here's all the footage from this movie. <laughs> And they had the right to just go ahead and create another version of the movie. You know, it couldn't be, you know, whole cloth. But they'd be like, okay, we know you've got two hours to fill. We know that with all the cuts you're going to have to make, you're going to have an hour and 45. Here's all the footage. Find some other stuff. Yeah. And you could just do that. And that just any movie that you would see, like any R-rated movie that you would see on TV in the 80s was probably going to have stuff that was cut out and that you would never see anywhere else. Huh. Th- these uh, these versions have to be on YouTube, or at least the the extended scenes have to be on YouTube, I think. In the event that people cared enough to put it up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think with Airplane, for sure, they would probably be up there. Probably. Then there's probably even, if I check the alternate version section on IMDb later, I'm sure if, if it exists, it's probably listed in there. But yes. I, I have a specific memory of the two of them sipping their coffee and having a further conversation <laughs> that would have driven you up the wall. But like, uh, you know, there's also Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as you mentioned. He's genius performance by Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar. Now, in the beginning, my note was because Kareem, he was actually like nice to the kid and he was smiling. Mm-hmm. Kareem is notoriously the biggest curmudgeon in the history of sports, like <laughs> he hate, he seems to hate people with a passion. This is one of my favorite things about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, and so because <laughs> I have little use for people. So when he like was all like, hey, "Come in, it's fine," I was like, "This is the greatest acting job Kareem's ever done." <laughs> but then, but then he 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 shows his true colors when he you know tells the kid like, "You try and you know run up for forty, run up and down for forty eight minutes." <laughs> That was like, okay, okay. Now, I, the world is right again. I'm like, Kareem, just have fun with this take. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to have the kid talk to you. You just improv. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's he's actually surprisingly, you know, knowledgeable and, and very, like, eloquent on a lot of topics, but not known as the nicest person around. That's fair. Everybody doesn't have to be nice all the time. It's kind of nice to have some people who are just kind of not total assholes, but just sort of curmudgeonly, like you mentioned. Yeah. Your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, your Sam Neils, your Mandy Patinkins. Mm-hmm. Just people who are kind of just irritated all yeah. the time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting because, like, <laughs> at my work, they actually got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to, like, do a, a a message to the employees. <laughs> now, is this at the financial institution? You yeah, used to yeah, work? yeah, yeah. Nice. But uh, here's the problem: because our software was terrible, I could not watch it. Oh man. Yeah, I tried. I tried to watch it, and I was like, no dice. Couldn't even. You didn't get to see any of it. The, like, I just was he wearing I, the goggles. And oh no, I I, I just saw the um, the still the still frame from the beginning of the video, and that was it. Damn. Yeah. Well, that's a letdown. Yeah, thanks a lot, old employer. You guys are the worst. Now, this is also another breakout performance. And that would be Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah. Because 
prior to this movie, Leslie Nielsen was a dramatic actor. I know. That's what I've. That's that's what I was led to understand. Yeah, and this movie led to his rebirth as a really a comedic straight man at this point. Yeah, um, and then he got kind of goofier as he went on. He got to like Spy Hard and oh, things like that. And it, it was that was where he kind of fell off a cliff for me. But um, I unfortunately know. watched Spy Hard in the theater. Uh, I think I did too, as I well think. as as well as Dracula Dead and Loving It. That was terrible. I'm sorry, I was able to miss that one. Yeah, like so annoying. Like my parents, they decided they wanted to go see. Uh, I think it was Waiting to Exhale. And they sent us to go see Dracula Dead and Loving It. You were desperate to see Waiting to Exhale, weren't you? I mean, I would have rather seen that. Whitney. Yeah. No, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Which actually surprised me because I'm like, why are my parents going to go see a black movie? Because they weren't, they're not particularly fond of African American culture. So hmm. I don't know. Look, Whitney Houston transcends race. I guess. I mean, my mom already always has. She's always had a thought of, like, revenge against everybody. So, you know, the fact that they, like, burned down the car or something, that probably appealed to her. She saw that in the commercial and was like, oh, we're going to see that. Yeah, yeah. Probably, like, elbowing your dad. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, Like, this will happen to you. Exactly. (laughs) One day. Yeah. On a long enough timeline, this will be your car. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry that you got stuck seeing Dracula Dead and loving it. Oh, my God. You seen Angela Bassett and I still remember. Houston's Finest Hour. God, I still remember that. It was awful. It's an awful movie. The important thing is you survived. Yeah, I did. And did. you will never have to watch another Mel Brooks movie ever again if you don't want to. Yeah, and, well, and you know, the, speaking of Naked Gun, the second and third movies were also quite a big dro- drop-off from yeah. the first one. I still like the second one. But not as much as the first. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Police Squad? I have not. I mean, of course, I've heard of it and I've seen clips from it, but I've not seen the whole movie. If you get an opportunity, watch it. Yeah. Because um, it's it's the TV show that most of the jokes from The Naked Gun are taken from. Yeah, so I, I do know that. And so it's actually, it's pretty hilarious. you got to mm. pay attention to the whole thing because it's another one of those high-density joke count Things and there's a whole lot of visual humor, but uh, Leslie Nielsen plays it completely straight, and it's probably one of the funniest things he'd ever done. And this was after Airplane, right? Yes. Okay. After Airplane, and of course, pre Naked Gun. Okay, got it. And it has one of my greatest exchanges ever in a comedy Who are you, and how did you get in here? I'm a locksmith, and I'm a locksmith. (laughs) (laughs) Which, delivered by anyone but Leslie Nielsen, would just be okay. Delivered by Leslie Nielsen. Perfection. <laughs> but yeah, so this was the movie that introduced everyone to Leslie Nielsen as a comedian. And for better or worse, you know, you can take it as you no, will. He's, he's but I, I love The Naked Gun. I love Police Squad. I love this movie. And so I'm, I welcome it. I'm glad that he got I, to, I too. to do more work at a time when he probably otherwise would have just faded from existence. So, I mean, was Leslie Nielsen, was he like around... Since, like, the 50s or something? I don't know exactly how early, at least the 60s. Um, I believe he was in, I want to say he was in This Island Earth, hmm. which is a classic um, classic sci-fi movie. He was in a movie called Tammy and the Bachelor. He hmm. was the titular bachelor. Okay. Um, and that was, I want to say, early 60s. Hmm. So he was, you know, 
a leading man type back in those days. I could see that. That my mom probably would have seen. I'm sure she, she saw Tammy in The Bachelor and probably would have recognized him from that. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. You know, his, his, he had a very solid performance, as, as, as we, you know, we, we don't, I don't have anything to say about it. Like, that's bad. It's so many classic lines the, yeah. that get run into the ground, and it's hard to tolerate somebody saying the, Shirley, you can't oh, be serious. Yeah. And of course yeah. I'm serious, and don't call me Shirley. Yep. Because every dad has trotted that joke out at every opportunity, and now every granddad has trotted that joke that, out at every opportunity. Yes. And it's hard to not groan at it now. Forty years ago, this is a pretty fresh joke. Yeah, no, I've I've heard, I've been hearing that joke since the '90s, so I totally totally know. Yep. At one of my previous jobs, one of the things I heard all the time uh, was the "Surely you can't be serious," but also the "Do we have clearance, Clarence?" I don't know why specifically, but a particular person in my office would be like, do we have clearance, Clarence? Why that line from from Airplane? I mean, just develop a personality. Don't just quote movies all the time. I'll do whatever I want. No, not you, but I mean, just that person. <laughs> so other interesting performances of note in here are Robert Stack. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was, of, he was uh, good. I almost said Rescue 911, but he of uh, America's Most Wanted. No, wait. No, no. What, um, what the hell did he do? Uh, Twilight Zone, isn't it? Um, no. Oh, no, that was Rod Serling. Yeah. What the hell did Robert Stack do? Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, thank you. Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, supposedly, he was the one who kind of convinced uh, Peter Graves and Lloyd Bridges, like, hey, this is funny. Just trust me. This is... This is good stuff. This is funny. Just enjoy it. Uh, which is kind of, that was... Yeah, uh, Peter, Peter Graves, he was pretty solid, too, until he passed out. Yeah. And I Lloyd Bridges was the goofier of all of them, but I still kind of enjoyed his performance. And yeah. the ever-escalating, I picked the wrong week to yeah. you know, <laughs> quit sniffing glue. But, um, yeah, apparently it makes me happy that Robert Stack who is the one you would think of as being the most stoic out of those guys, was the guy who, is, who got the humor and convinced his old buddies, like, hey, this is actually funny. Just go with it. I would, I would like to see Robert Stack in his earlier days. I'll have to get some of his movies and see. Because, yeah, he, he probably was pretty, pretty solid back in, like, the 60s and maybe even the 50s. His most famous role back in the day, I think, was Elliot Ness on The Untouchables. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was. So that's, that's a very Robert Stack-esque kind of role. I mean, he was, I still, he was still pretty old then, though. I think it was in, like, the 50s, maybe oh, 60s. wait a second. Oh, the original Untouchables. Yeah, the TV show. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay, I, I thought you were referring to the movie. I was like, wait, what? No, I think Kevin Costner was. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't remember Robert Stack in the movie. No, it, there was a TV show um, back in the, I want to say, 50s, mm-hmm. and Robert Stack played Elliot Ness in that. God. You know what's really depressing? The 50s were 70 years ago now. <laughs> Look, the inevitable march of time will grind us into the dirt. It (laughs) will. We just have to accept that. This movie that I remember fondly from my childhood is 42 years old. Yeah. So I just have to accept that. (laughs) There's no getting around it. Uh And a lot of the humor is offensive now. Yeah, it is. Um, And it should be offensive because time marches on and our... 
ideas should become more enlightened and we should just accept the fact that well, some comedy does not age well at all. I mean, hell, even Austin Powers is a little suspect these days. Oh, yeah. So I should watch that again. I used to love the first one, but... Oh, yeah, first one's solid. But as I said, there are definitely some jokes in there that are not the best. Accurate. Yeah. There are, and there's a great deal of racial stereotypes because Mike Myers is just all about the racial stereotypes. Yeah, the guru, mm. that was that was a tough watch. Go back and watch any of his like Saturday Night Live stuff. It seemed if they ever wanted a racial stereotype, Mike Myers just stepped up. He's like, I'll do it. Wow. And if Rob Schneider won't do it, I'll do it. I mean, it's ironic that he was the one on the on the screen when Kanye said uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah. <laughs> now, the last note I had was, um, you know, that solid sex joke with the horse, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what that lady, I don't know who that lady was, but she looked a lot like Terry Garr. And I don't even, like, okay, so why was she called to the airport? I'm assuming it was another one of those things that was just from zero hour. Because she is the um, the pilot's wife. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So no. why they would need, well, I mean, I guess they wanted to be like, in case your husband dies, you'd want to be there to hold the body or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was sort of a weird thing. But I guess, yeah, she would want to be on hand for that. But yeah, she was the pilot's wife. Yeah. The, 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 the joke about like their carrots in the fridge, that was pretty solid. Because <laughs> yeah, like, for those who don't know, she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like, yeah, I'll come down to the airport. And then she looks over there's a horse in the bed next to her and she's like hey gotta go um yeah there's carrots in the fridge <laughs> see you later <laughs> that was pretty good how heavily drugged do you think that horse was <laughs> oh my god that that was not uh uh, uh got PETA approved acting there <laughs> the if it was the ASPCA has tightened things significantly oh, since for sure then. I'm sure in the 80s it was probably not. You, you probably didn't even have to have a, a PETA or oh, an ASPC rep no. on hand. I, I, would, I would imagine that maybe this movie or something soon after <laughs> like, is what caused that to be a thing. Guys, we can't have that again. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, the horse. Like, he wasn't right for the next six months. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, that, As you can guess, that was another thing that was not in the TV version that I had. So no. I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna have to hit YouTube and see if there's... A TV version on him because I there's all sorts of stuff that I remember that wasn't there, and that was one of the things that kind of embarrassed me as a child because we didn't go to movies a lot, and so I never got to see R-rated movies in the theater. It did not happen for me. I would see them in you know television versions, and I'd tape them off TV and I would watch them there, and I would try and talk with my friends about them. And I would be referencing things that did not actually happen in the movie in its theatrical version and would confuse the hell out of my friends and they would think I was lying to them. Yeah. It was very embarrassing. Police Academy especially. Yeah. yeah. Television version might as well be a completely different movie. You know, that's the thing about it, man. You know, the the back in the day, like, I mean, now you can watch whatever the hell you want to whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the day, man, R-rated movies, we had to watch those in the dead of night with... With with the volume way down and yep. sometimes our pants down. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you had to do to get through the night. Yes, sir. <laughs> no shame. It's a judgment-free zone. <laughs> we all 
we all marked our calendars with the Skin of Max yes. free trial. That we did. That we did. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that overall, to wrap it up, uh, very solid movie. I would watch this again just to get more of the jokes I didn't get the first time. And, you know, you, you have to look at it as a time capsule, but definitely worth watching. Yeah, it benefits from repeat viewings. You can catch other things many years down the line. This is probably my, I don't know, seventh or eighth time seeing it. Um, and I'm still finding new things like the flopping fish. Yeah. So, I to me, this is unquestionably a cultural touchstone. Yes, it is. Definitely a cultural touchstone. All right. So, it's decided. This might be, is this the first unanimous cultural touchstone? I had? believe so. Okay. So, for you playing along at home, our first CT. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, I think it's my turn to pick what we'll do next. I'm excited. What's this going to be? A movie that everybody who grew up in the 90s knows about. Go on. A movie of fierce determination and uh, urban culture. Oh no, I think I know what this is going to be. Lean on me. Lean on me? Yes. Oh, shit. Yes. With Morgan Freeman? Hell yeah. With Crazy Joe? Yeah. Or should I call him Batman? Yeah. I've never seen this movie. You gotta watch it. Lean on me. Okay. I'm excited. This is gonna be good. It's, it will unquestionably be good. And I, I have seen both the theatrical and uh, the TV version of the movie like you did with Airplane and many others. And I could definitely... There's definitely things that are different in the non-theatrical version. <laughs> but Interesting. That will be uh, that will be next time. Okay, fantastic. Well, join us next time when we will discuss "Lean on Me," directed by somebody, I'm sure, and starring the great Morgan Freeman. Yes, it's going to be exciting. Sure will. Looking forward to this. So we will catch you next time here on Watch This Immediately. All right, peace. Bye. Watch this immediately. This immediately.